message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now this morning, I wanted to uh, ask a question, and this is a question that I came across during the week and um, in Scripture, and really, it's a question that we meditate on this question and allow this question to really penetrate into our souls. It unlocks, it unlocks something in our lives. Um, God doesn't say that, as Brian was describing our journey with the Lord as a journey, Remember at the beginning of last year, I think I said a statement along the lines of God isn't asking us to do one thing for him. He only asks us that we do everything with him. Now, I want you to think about that from his perspective as well. It's also the case that because he wants to do everything with him, that he's not going to force something on us, that he actually wants to involve us. He's not, he also is not going to do it for us in the sense of now that we are with him, he wants us to walk on this journey with him. Uh, for instance, where it talks about the peace of God, it doesn't say that he will make the peace of God to rule in your life. It says, let, let, let. You see, that's involvement now. Now he says, come on, reason together. Let the peace of God rule in your mind, you see. So now, an awful lot of what our lives are like and how they're turning out is down to how much we're letting the reality that already is be our reality. Praise God. And so this is something that more and more we're realizing that everything's been given and that now everything that we need we already have. And so the question that Paul put to the Corinthians was this question. It says, what do you have that you did not receive? I could stand here and just simply ask that question for an hour. Name me one thing about your Christian life, the things now that you uh, desire to manifest. Name me one thing that you have that you did not receive. And so when we're getting a revelation, this renewal of the mind to see how much has been given to us, the more we see that, the more there is a release of what has been given. For by the acknowledgement of every good thing within you, suddenly there's communication of your faith. Now there's an outflow. So we're talking about an inflow and an outflow. Now there has already been an inflow. We have received, praise God. But what the Lord now is doing by the Holy Spirit, he's looking for the outflow. He's bringing the outflow. And the outflow really is through the renewal of the mind. And that little question is like a key that unlocks it. When you think about the amount of love that has been poured into our spirits by the Holy Spirit, it's bigger than the biggest ocean. It's endless. There's like a tsunami behind this little wall, you know? And God's Word is like a, I used to think it was like a, one of those bouncing bombs. Remember in, in, during the war, the, the RAF dropped this bouncing bomb and it hit a wall, hit the dam, and after two or three of those bombs hit that dam, there was a big crack came and the whole wall of water just flooded, you know? There is a flood of love that's going to come forth from us not our little miserly, well, I'll love you if you love me. As it says there, well, what good is that? You know, even the, even the, even the heathen love like that. 
well, I'll get you a Christmas present because you got me one. <laughs> Not that sort of little puddle of love. I'm talking about a tsunami of love that laid down his life for us while we were still sinners. That type of love. And it's locked up behind this soul, this wall, you know, of a lack of understanding, this alienation in our mind. And that's what the Lord is dealing with. And so that's one of those scriptures is like a key to unlocking that wall, that dam. What do you have that you did not receive? Here's another key. Turn to Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Now these scriptures, they are like bouncing bombs, okay? And so you are going to go to sit under these bouncing bombs, and at some point there's going to be a crack in your dam. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> there's going to be a start to be a flow, praise God. And how you're going to know that flow is you're going to find yourself less anxious than you were. That's where it begins. It's just that anxiety that used to rule your life just isn't there anymore. As Ramo famously said, I wanted to worry, but I couldn't. <laughs> okay. That's the, that's the water beginning to trickle. And we're going to talk a little bit about water this morning. This is Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And it says this, and you know this verse so well. Therefore, as you have received, say received, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing with gratitude. So here now is how we're supposed to be able to walk in him, to live as a believer in communion with God's Spirit, because of receiving him. You see, there's nothing of God's Spirit, there's no knowledge, there's no love, there's no righteousness that you or I have that we did not receive from him. So, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? See, Jesus is never expecting people to produce something from their own resources. This is so good news. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, you're going to find it so easy to share the gospel with family and friends when this clicks, you know. God is not expecting people to produce something out of their own resources. Jesus said to the woman of the well these beautiful words, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So what brings eternal life to us is the eternal life we have been given. What brings that water up, that life up really, is the life we have been given. Praise God. So to live more in the fullness of eternal life, we don't need to become better achievers. We need to become better receivers. As you received him, so walk in him. As you received him, so walk in him. So the Lord's teaching us how to be good receivers, how to receive what has been given. Praise God. And that fact, to become better receivers, to live the Christian life, the only way God ever intended us to live it is overflowing with gratitude. Remember recently we saw in the story of Zacchaeus, the thief in the village, how for years people would have treated him with contempt. You would have done. I would have done if he'd stolen all my life savings. There's that guy walking down the street. Who do you think he is, you know? He's driving this Merc because of my money, and he's living in that house because of my money, you see? We would have treated him with contempt, and we would have thought that's exactly the way God sees him, that he needs to do something before God will come to him. He needs to do something before God will treat him differently. But all of that ministry of that message to Zacchaeus never changed him one bit. The only thing that brought him to a place of overflowing with gratitude, overflowing with the life of God, is when he saw God give him. 
when Jesus came and God manifested and gave to him his acceptance, came and moved in with him, came and ate with him. And therefore, suddenly Zacchaeus found himself gratitude. Gratitude. Oh my God, I've been given this beautiful gift. He's come to me of all people, the worst. He's come to me. You see, that revelation, praise God, is what fills us to overflowing. And the Christian life is a life that can only be lived by overflow. For what did you, what do you have that you did not receive? And so this overflowing life, this life of Christ, is the life we have been given. The life God asks us to live is nothing else but the life we have been given, the life of a blessed son. That's it. It's as simple as that. Now, when we begin to understand that, when the church begins to understand that, it changes the way we minister the gospel. And my goodness me, it changes us too. We become full of thanksgiving, pure thanksgiving. It was what Jesus gave that man through his words that caused Zacchaeus to come into eternal life. The water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So that's the life the Lord intends us to live, a life overflowing with gratitude. And the only way to live a life overflowing is to keep receiving. Anybody got a bath at home? How do you make your bath to overflow? (laughs) Not by turning the tap off. Preaching should turn the tap full on. Full on. That's what we do when we preach the message of the gospel. We're actually turning the tap on. We're saying, get a handle on this. God has not been stingy with you. But if he has poured out his own son, his own life, and if he has given him, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? You see? So at the beginning, you see, we're saying this on Thursday night in Moville, Christianity is unique. Every other religion in the world will tell you what you need to do to get to the finishing line. Christianity lifts you over the finishing line and plops you down and says, there you are. Now work your way back. Let yourself work out your salvation. Don't work it in, work it out. You've been given everything. Now live from there. Now we would do, but our minds can't take it. Because nobody's ever treated us like this. Nobody. And this world doesn't treat us that way. So our minds literally cannot take that in. That's why we need the renewal of the mind. I need to get a new mind on how much I've been given. Because when my heart, not just my head, as Astro said, when my heart starts to understand how blessed I am, these feet start dancing like I asked her. <laughs> you don't have to then put it on <laughs> as you didn't anyway on that day because you were caught hold of the revelation of it. This is true. To everybody else, this may be a story, but this is my life, praise God. We overcome Satan by the word of our testimony, the blood of the Lamb. So these feet start dancing when this drops from here to here. So all I got to do to preach really is turn the tap on. Turn the tap on, you see? And all we've got to do is send people out who are overflowing with gratitude. People, you know, people who are overflowing gratitude always say the right thing. And they're always very gracious. And they're always very generous. And they're always very patient. You see, the fruit of the Spirit. Because the measure of the Spirit we've been given is not a stingy measure. We've been given everything. Praise God. Oh, it's just a tsunami. It's just a tsunami, a wall of water that washes away our sins like a sandcastle in front of a tidal wave. And that water just washes through us. And God wants us to be people who just pour out the love of God. But I can't if I don't let that love fill me to overflowing, you know. So don't tell me to have more faith. Give me more gospel. Tell me again. Tell me again this beautiful news. Because when you tell me this news, something happens inside me. I can find a welling up, 
a welling up, because the water he gives becomes a welling up, even to eternal life. It's so beautiful. Jesus never expected people to produce something from their own resources, praise God. The only way to keep a bath overflowing is not to turn the tap off, praise God. So all we have to do to raise up powerful believers is keep the taps running. And that's one of the greatest aspects of this metanoia, this repentance, this renewing of the mind the Holy Spirit brings to the church in every generation. Because, you know, without this, the church gets religious. That's what happens. Without the freshness of the Holy Spirit, you and I just get religious. Let's just do what we did last week. Hey, we can do it. That's what we do. That's what we like. So there has to be this vitality, this vital connection that's always there. There's a flow. There's a flow. You know, I, I, I was so blessed in India when I got practice in just speaking off the top of my head. <laughs> or I could say from the bottom of my heart, you know. Well, you know that, I mean, Michelle, when you stood up here this morning, just flowed. Just flowed. No notes, just flowed, you know. Same with Aster. Praise God. You see, when you're full of gratitude, it just flows. See, for years I had to think, God, what, what should I say to that family member? God, how can I say, now, I've got to tell them about the dinosaurs, and then this thing about the flood, and then about evolution, you know, and what am I going to say about that thing, you know, and then this thing about all the suffering in the world? I'll, 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 maybe, maybe I'll just study a bit more, and I'll come back next week. Here's God's answer. Get overflowing with gratitude. Be absolutely blessed out of your socks, that even on the worst day of your life, you couldn't be more blessed. Now, that's a revelation, you know. And when the church gets up, when the party starts in the church, we're not going to wait until we get that money. We're going to start. The party has begun, you see. It's in our spirits. It's the sound of music and dancing in our spirits, you know. That's sometimes when we're worshiping here on a Sunday morning, you know. And it could be your only experience during the week, I don't know, really, where something in you starts to shift, you know. Because when you start in your soul to actually say these words, even though inside you might have this but, 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 but when you're actually speaking it out, something in your soul beginning to shift. There's a rumbling from deep below, and there's a little bit of water just trickling up, you know? And maybe you would start singing these things, you know, and sing them and sing them and sing them. You'd find that something would overcome you because the Holy Spirit witnesses that's the truth. What you're singing is the truth, you know? Now, in your heart, your heart that's been disappointed and disappointed and disappointed, you, you know, that begins to say, yeah, but what about, but what about? We're really good at that in Northern Ireland, aren't we? Yeah, but what about, but what about, but what about? when you talk about all these things. But what about? And so that needs healing. And that healing comes from the Spirit. Praise God. The very truth of God welling up within us. So, the only life the Father is looking for us to live is the one he has freely given to us. The life of a blessed son. The only life he's looking for us to live is the one he's already given to us. The life of a blessed son. He's not looking for us to produce a life of our own, a righteousness of our own, or a love of our own. Remember that beautiful scripture in Romans where it talks about, and Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And I love the message version of that, which says, Abraham came to a turning point in his life. He entered into what God was doing for him rather than trying to be right on his own. He trusted God to set him right rather than trying to be right on his own. That was a turning point, you see? So the turning point in our experience of this life, really, is to enter into what has been done. Not to try and make something happen, but to enter into what has been done. To receive the fact that he's not asking you to produce a righteousness of your own. He's given you it. And he's not even asking you to produce a love for your enemies of your own. He's given you that. As your spirits. Now, the acknowledgement of that helps to, to start the flow, you know. It won't say, if you're a believer, it's all there. 
It's in your spirit. Those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. You have it in your spirit. But it's by the hearing of this that faith comes, the key comes, that the door starts to open, and that trickle of life starts to come from the spirit into the soul. So to him, to the Father, there is no such thing as a life on your own, as he has never had a life of his own. He's always lived in communion. Isn't that right? Father, Son, and Spirit. To him, life on your own is death. That's why Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do... No. See, branches do not produce fruit. Branches bear fruit. You know, you don't walk past a tree in here going, <laughs> branches don't strive to produce fruit. Branches bear fruit because of their connection with the root. Praise God. Jesus told Nicodemus the same thing. Only spirit can give birth to spirit. So the Christian life is not something of the flesh. It is a life born of the spirit, the spirit who is nothing less than communion with God. So the Christian life is nothing less than communion with God's spirit, communion with God's nature, communion with the love of God. He wants to do it with us. The only thing we have to give is what we have received. Freely you have received, freely give. You see, you can't freely give if you won't freely receive. And that's why many of us for years have been bound up and feeling that we have got nothing to give. Why? Because we won't receive it freely. That takes a while to break down. That's called pride in our heart. I'm not taking a gift from you. I'll do it myself. I'm a self-made man. <laughs> or it says, well, you're a dead man then. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Praise God. Our life as believers is one of communion with God's Spirit. That's why Paul told the Corinthians, those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. One spirit. So the problem is, though, that that may be true in our spirits, but in our minds, for many of us for years, that has not been the case. We have really thought of ourselves as apart from him all the time. <clears throat> we think, therefore, that he's looking for us to produce holiness apart from him, and to produce love apart from him, and to produce righteousness apart from him. Just turn on Christian TV and start watching. From morning to night, speakers will line up to tell the world and tell the church what they should be doing for God. But if you want to do something for God, according to Jesus, there's only one thing you need to know. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Preach the gospel. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God's not asking people to do something apart from him. He's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the good news. <laughs> Will you receive it? I've done something about the part for me bit. It's called Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel. That's his gift to deal with the apart from me thing. The Holy Spirit wants believers to see that it is the life he gives, the living water that he gives, the Holy Spirit that he gives that springs up to eternal life. You know, I can't spring up to eternal life from my bootstraps. It has to be the water that he gives. Now, the sooner the mind of the church is renewed to that reality, then the sooner we can believe that no one can live the Christian life apart from the Spirit of God, that no one can repent apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's a biggie. Or as Jesus said it, nobody comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. The sooner the church can stop speaking to the world as if God is expecting them to change themselves apart from him. Here's the good news of the gospel. Apart from him, you can do nothing. That's called good news. That's good news because it reveals to people that far from being really ticked off at them for doing nothing good, God, in fact, never intended that anyone would be able to be like him apart from him. You know why? 
because even he cannot be like him apart from him. Oh, did you get that? God never intended that anybody would try to be like him apart from him because even he cannot be like him apart from him because he's not apart from him. He said to Jesus, how do you do that? How do you do the things you do? How do you live such a life? He says, it's not I. I don't have an I life. It's the Father. The Father and I, we're one. Whatever he does, I do. Whatever he says, I say. I don't live as an I. I don't have a life of my own. Because life to us is not individual. That's death. Life is communion. The spirit you've been given is a spirit of communion. You are in communion with the living God. The last part to catch up is the, the mind. And the reason that's so slow is because we don't treat each other that way. This has got to change in the church. Judgment starts at the house of God. Let the church get a revelation of how much you've been given. Let the music and dancing start in the church. Praise God. Let the world look up and say, my God, what have you got? And then they're able to listen. Because we can say to them, no, you can't have this apart from him. Because this is what he has given. He has given communion with himself. That's called the good news. In the same way, the church cannot speak to the world as if they can do something apart from God's Spirit. So too, the church cannot speak to believers as if they can do something apart from God's Spirit. For as Jesus would surely have put it, the water that I give in them became in them eternal life springing up, praise God. As you received him, so walk in him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, those words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says that. He says that. He said those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit. He says that your life is now hidden with Christ in God. He says that as you received him, so walk in him. And really the challenge to us is, do we believe that? What do you have that you did not receive? Praise God. If you are not apart from God, then you're not apart from his righteousness, and you're not apart from his love, and you're not apart from his holiness. For all those came in the gift of his Son. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, he's our righteousness. He is our holiness. He is our redemption. That's 1 Corinthians 1.30. All we have to do to make the bath overflow is to let the tap run. Let the tap run. Let the gospel flow. Let this good news flow. Let it run. 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 Go home and just sit down and let it run. Think about it again. Think about it again. What do you have that you did not receive? Think about it again. Let that tap run and run and run until it comes to overflowing. Until out of your mouth you can say, Oh my God, I am blessed. Oh my God, I am blessed. Have you not given me everything I need? Even in this hour, do I not have everything I need? Have I not been given everything that I may live today as somebody who has everything? Even when it looks like I have nothing. Paul said at the end of his life, I've discovered a secret of being content. You know what? Whether I have nothing or everything, I don't care what it looks like to people, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, I know he whom I've committed my life to. And he's well able to keep that which I've committed. He knew who he was. He knew what he had. And that brings such a tremendous contentment into him, you know. So scripture is full of taps. This book is just full of taps from start to finish. Go anywhere. Open a page. Start to turn on a tap. I'm going to put on a little tap before we close this morning. Turn in your Bible to 2 Peter 1. This is a beautiful tap here. This is quite a big tap. This is like a fireman's hose, this one, all right? So this one doesn't get you filled up. I don't know what will. This is 2 Peter 1 and the first four verses. And we haven't got time to read all those this morning. We'll read a couple. 
before we close. 2 Peter 1. This is Simon Peter ministering out of the overflow. Just reminding himself. That's a wonderful thing, you know. When we speak to each other about the goodness of God, we're actually speaking to our own souls. Uh, that's what's really helped me. And I thank God that he called me to, 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 to be a preacher, as it were, and, and to write and to speak, because I find it's really helped my soul so much to hear me say these things, you know. It really helped you to hear you say some of these things too. <laughs> Faith comes by. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. Now that word in the Greek is isotimos, the same kind. That's Christ's faith. There's only one faith. Remember that in uh, Ephesians 4? One faith, you know. So don't be looking at your faith going, oh, well, you know, that guy over there, he's got such great faith. No, there's one faith, one spirit, one life. And we all receive that same one, okay? It's just there's different things in our journey that's hindering that from manifesting. So look at this again. To those who've received a faith of the same kind as ours, how? By the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Whoa! That should get your tap running right there. I mean, for years we're told, well, you know what? If you only lived a bit of a holier life, God will give you more faith. <laughs> it's not by your righteousness alone. It's by His righteousness that we've been given this. Praise God. You see, his righteousness, that's his character. You know what his character is? He's a God who gives. For God so loved the word that he, you see, that's his love and his giving go together. So if you're to worship him in spirit and in truth, you've got to see him for who he is. He's a God who can't stop giving. He's a God who can't help giving. He's a God who gives to us everything, not when we earned it, but while we were still sinners. He demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At that point, you see, when we were helpless, you know, so remember that, the Bible says. Remember that. Remember what you were. What you have that you did not receive. Praise God. It was him that brought you to life. And you could do nothing about it. You were dead in your sins. Nobody comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. Only by the Spirit. You see, when we get a hold of this, it's just beautiful. Because then I, I can't expect that the eloquence of my teaching or preaching or sharing is going to make somebody come into life. I just know that the Holy Spirit will witness to the truth. So when you're filled with overflowing and you're speaking to somebody, that life in you is affecting them. It's affecting them. So you don't have to go away and, and study some great arguments or, and how you're going to argue somebody into the kingdom of God. Go away and be full. Be thee filled. Be thee filled, you know. And that's what church is for. My God, if you don't get filled on a Sunday morning, you're in it for a bad week. <laughs> and if you're relying on Sunday morning, you're probably in for a bad week too. We start here. Let, let, let's, let's absolutely be filled this Sunday morning, but let's not be a once-a-week filling. Come on, do not teach us. Give us today our daily bread, you know. He's, got th he's speaking to us every morning. Every morning he's speaking to us. And those words are just life, praise God. Even those things I'm saying right now that you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, I was just thinking about that during the week. Yes, you were. The Holy Spirit was saying that to you during the week. You see, he fills us. He fills us every day. Why? Because he knows that the life he given us is an overflowing life. You know why? Because his life overflowed to us. His heart was full to overflowing. When he looked at us, he says, I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to give you everything I have. That's the sort of God he is. And when Christians start to live like that, you know, we can't, for a start, nobody can boast. By the way, that's the end of that verse in 1 Corinthians 4. What do you have, you know, that you did not receive? Well, then why boast as if you engineered it, as if you produced it? You see, there's no boasting in the kingdom of God. That's why when the church comes into the revelation of the enormity of the grace of God, that even the faith you have as a gift 
It stops boasting in the church. It stops division. Now the church, as they come into a revelation of the enormity of everything that has been given, suddenly divisions are healed. You see, to judge somebody is to boast. If I'm judging somebody, whether it be in the world or the church, what I'm saying is, well, I wouldn't have done it like that. <laughs> really? And what do you have that you did not receive? That wisdom that you're boasting in, where did that come from? That patience that you're showing, that love you're showing, where did that come from? Praise the Lord. From the little water you have been given sprung this eternal life. And he wants to pour out and pour out. He is not a God of a small measure. He is a God of the overflow. You know, and he just delights to, to, to love on us. You know, we have no idea of our capacity to hold what he has given us. We have much more capacity to receive than we realize, you know. And he's stretching us all the time, you know. Be thee being filled. Be thee being filled. You will hold much more love than you're allowing to come into your mind right now. See, the amount of love that you're allowing in your mind right now is only doing a certain amount, and you know it. You know there are people maybe in your family or circumstances that you really struggle to forgive, that you really struggle to release, you know? And I, I, we all know that we need more of this love of God. We just don't realize that we have an enormous capacity, you know? He has given us such a... God has put eternity in the heart of man, you know? We're able to receive everything he's got to give. Or he just wants to give it, you know? What is the fastest animal in the world on four legs? Who said cheetah? Oh, Rebu, you're <laughs> Mr. Google down the back there, eh? Come on. Okay, then, I'll put it. How fast can a cheetah run? That's not bad, yeah. I cheated, I looked it up. When I looked it up, I, I, I couldn't believe what I read, so I had to read it again, you know. A cheetah can run between 60 and 70 miles an hour. That's up to 120 kilometers an hour. Isn't that incredible? Now, because a cheetah was made to run like that, one of the saddest things... Surely, it is possible to see on this earth must be a caged cheetah. Because never has something fallen so far below its potential. Now I think from a heavenly perspective, surely the saddest thing to see from heaven's perspective is to see a believer caged by self-consciousness. The one who was made to run with God, the one who was made to be in union with God, the one who was given the mind of Christ, that they would see themselves as one with God to think of themselves as alone, apart from God. Oh God, I've got to draw up this righteousness and I've got to produce this love and I've got to, oh my God, I feel so far from you. Oh God, please forgive me. How sad that must look like. It must look like a cheetah caged up. For we were made to run with God. Praise God. Right from the beginning, we walked with him. Amen, Michael. We walked with him. You know, and I'm sure we ran with him too. I'm sure Adam and Lord went for a good run at times. And the Lord said, come on, let's see how fast I made you to run. Whoa. Remember Chariots of Fire? Remember the Christian guy, Eric Little? What did he say? He said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. You know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. You know what? When you come into this revelation mindset of being one with God, you'll feel his pleasure. You'll feel his pleasure. Because he died that we would feel like that, that we would be everything. You know, he's not a stingy God. I remember that story once about Napoleon. We told this before. I think it's very powerful. When he was emperor of all of Europe, and one day he was sitting in his court, and all these noblemen were coming in and asking, making requests. Oh, good emperor, please, uh, can you give me $100 or 100 francs for this? And he was refusing all these requests. And then a peasant walked in and asked for thousands of acres of land. And to everybody shocked, Napoleon said, you have it. And afterwards, people come up and says, why did you give him that? 
Why did you give him that and you didn't give all these other people? And Napoleon said, because he honored me by the size of his request. You know, the Lord is waiting for the church to honor him, to honor him properly by manifesting the abundance of what we have been given. That's the only way to honor the cross is to be the joy that he saw going to the cross. Be absolutely blown away. Be absolutely blown away. Be transfixed by the goodness of God, you know? Because only then are your eyes off yourself. If you will not receive the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness, you will not rule in life. You'll live a very small, self-conscious life where you're checking yourself all the time to see if you're holy enough. And all of heaven looks at a cheetah in a cage. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why boast as if you didn't? Church, we have received everything in Christ. And all the Holy Spirit is doing is teaching us to live in Christ. Praise God. I didn't even get to my verse. I'll finish by reading it to you. Look at it. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that this divine power has granted to us. Oh, my goodness. He has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. How? Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. <laughs> he did it all himself. He told the prophet Ezekiel he was going to do it all himself. He says, I will take them and I will fill them and I will give them a spirit and I will replace the heart of stone and I will put a heart of flesh in them and I will clean them and I, I, I. He said he did it all. Praise God. Because he never wanted his love for us to be restricted by our performance. He wanted to pour out and pour out and pour out, so he found a way to pour out everything into us. He gave us everything before we had a chance to try and earn it. And when that revelation drops from your spirit into your soul, you lose self-consciousness. Now we can love people because we can see that really there but for the grace of God go I. That's the way to look at people in the vilest of situations. There, but for the grace of God, go I. Last week, they celebrated Auschwitz. 75 years since the liberation of Auschwitz. Auschwitz is widely recognized as the low point of man in the 20th century, certainly at least. I'm sure there's many other things. But never have so many people been killed in such a way, in such a short space of time. It was um, a famous saying. Somebody said, where was God at Auschwitz? And a rabbi replied, no, where was man at Auschwitz? And during the week, one of those people who'd been there, he said, please, when you're commentating on Auschwitz, please don't say that it was monsters that did this. Please don't make out those people to be some sort of monsters, you know, that they're not really human. They were, they'd gone some, no, these were people like you and I that did this. That was the point, you know, apart from God apart from God. But you and I are not people apart from God. Now, if that's the extreme people can get to apart from God, imagine what the church can be like coming into the revelation of where she sits now and where she stands now in the grace of God, in the presence of God, hidden with Christ and God. So church, set your mind on things above. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And I know sometimes that's like water hitting a wall. But I promise you, I mean, Maybe I shouldn't go into this at dinner time, but I will. 
We had a sewage problem in our house a couple of years ago, you know, and uh, it turned out that part of the sewage system, Ashok knows this firsthand. Whenever we have a problem in our house, we send for this man. Because we don't believe in DIY in our house, we believe in TG, get somebody else to do it. TG. So this, uh, the sewage backed up and, and it turned out that a pipe was, was broken. This pipe had broken and fallen into the, into the drain and blocked everything. And why it had broken was because there was a pipe coming at this angle and a pipe coming at this angle. And the water that was coming down this pipe for years and years, kept hitting the same place on this pipe until finally it broke it, simply by drip, 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 drip. Church, something's going to break in your life. Someday you're going to mind in your own business, you're going to be sitting in that chair, and something's going to break. And all I've got to do is be a drip. <laughs> be a drip. Be a drip, be a drip for the Lord. Better to be a power hose for the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray?